0: Welcome to Bike Talk with Dave, where we talk to incredible people doing incredible things. One of those incredible people doing incredible things is Hannah Kern. She's known now as Hannah Happiness. She is spreading joy and happiness across the globe by bicycle. I discovered Hannah on Instagram, and I liked how open and honest she seemed on socials. I also liked how she not only talks about how to uncover happiness in your life, but also some real world guidance about traveling the world by bicycle, often alone. So I reached out and we connected while she was at her adopted home base in Southern Mexico. So grab a cup of chain and spoke coffee, settle in and enjoy this conversation with Hannah Kern. Hannah Happiness, I am thrilled to have you on Bike Talk with Dave. Uh, Maybe we should introduce you as Hannah Kern. Um, But uh, holy moly, you're like, I mean, you're on this worldwide journey spreading happiness and joy across the globe. And I'm so excited to hear your story. So welcome to the Bike Talk with Dave.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me here. Lovely to actually see you and speak to you, even though we're quite far apart. It's amazing what, um, what we can do these days with technology. So yeah, thanks for inviting me. And I'm really, really happy to be here with that lovely warm introduction as well. So very grateful. Uh,
0: I couldn't I don't even know how I found you I'm sure it was on Instagram and your name probably popped out as Hannah Happiness and I'm like what's going on there and it looked like you were riding your bike a lot and uh, dove into your story so first of all I want to know where you're from and then Mm -hmm. I want to talk about where you are and how you got there but where are you from
1: well, I'm from a little place called London, England. I've heard of I don't that. Know if you've heard of that before, yeah. Um, but it doesn't it's not really a place that resonates with me. It, I mean, growing up obviously it gave me access to a lot of opportunities and um I had a great time partying growing up and made some great connections there and obviously connected to the world in terms of travel when I got to the age of being able to travel, I think accessibility wise, I didn't realise how much advantage that gave me as well. um, In terms of things like affordability. But as soon as I turned 18, I started travelling by myself and not by bike, I would add but since then, you know, my journey has just continued to evolve. And I think the closer and closer I got to being off the beaten track, in alternative methods of transport trying to really dig deep beneath a culture beyond what i knew and realized how much growth and expansion was not only just in the process of traveling but also going on internally within me um the things that are maybe registering in the background that resurface years later and you can look back and say wow I really integrated that without consciousness and now I understand it with consciousness. And I think the more you travel, the more you connect these little pieces of magic that happen in your journey. And when you travel by bicycle, you really give yourself the opportunity to digest and process the enormity of information, experience, sensations, feelings, everything that you are having the opportunity to experience so yes for me that was kind of uh, where it began and where I came from but it feels like the least resonant place for me in terms of being somewhere I would call home now so yes
0: so I've never been to Europe but my my vision would be getting across the um, channel and then hopping on a train was that like how you began your travels or like what led you outside of London and where did you end up going?
1: Well, I I first went to, I didn't get on a train, I got on a plane and went as far as I could. I went straight to Australia, actually. Oh, Australia wow. and New Zealand and then to Asia. So I a lot of people went to do a working holiday, but I didn't actually do that. I just went to, to travel and made all of my most expensive mistakes in very expensive countries, and then realized what it was like to really not have any money traveling in Asia. And luckily, it's really cheap in Asia, but it made me a lot more resourceful. It made me a lot more humble, realize that not everyone has access to so much money, and made me really think about how I could be more responsible with money as well. So I think it grounded me quite a lot, that first trip and it just inspired me so much because I was meant to go to uni and study law and then I went traveling and then I reapplied for uni again but changing to journalism and declined all my offers when I was traveling so I was like well I just want to carry on doing this and um, (laughs) it was the best decision I ever made and I've been on this kind of life journey of study now I think everything I do has an application of study and it's not within the confines of what someone tells me I need to learn. And because of that, actually I pay much better attention.
0: Hmm. That's an interesting way to look at your, your travels and your life experiences as your education.
1: Oh, 100%. Every single person that I meet teaches me something, even if that's patience, they still teach me something. So when you, learn to be more present with whatever experience is in front of you rather than working towards something all the time then you you actually take the full amount or a a greater volume from where you are and i think the education system or the social structure that most people are working towards to build up into experience to get a job that's going to get them enough money to buy them the things that they want in life that they think is going to make them feel fulfilled or have a social status or be successful means you're never really where you are and you're constantly doing what you think what someone else thinks you should do rather than what organically feels best for you and I think when anyone who's travelled in in some degree, even if that's on on holiday, why do why do we enjoy holidays so much? Why do we enjoy vacationing? It's because we're like, oh don't have to be anywhere but here. But the reality is we can make our whole life like that. You just have to decide to, but we have these layers of, of fear which stop us from making that jump. And I try and help people overcome that and get in touch with what really feels good for them.
0: That's interesting. In so many of my conversations with people centered around the bike, um, everybody has an interesting story and an interesting journey and and um, I don't know that. And I find like the, the spark that begins that journey is answering yes to some question. You mm. make the decision to fill in the blank, whatever it is that the the choice cam, comes up to get on a bike and and pack it with all your stuff and and ride across Alaska or start racing or do whatever but it's interesting you say that because it it is a choice it's a deci- decision we make and what you just did was describe the rat race that so many of us are in like chasing the dollar bills so that we can pay the mortgage so that we can pay the heat so that we can put food on the table so We can pay for college so that our kids can get a job, so that they can pay the mortgage, so that they can eat, so that they can pay their kids. It's a cycle for sure. And breaking that cycle is scary and must be hard. Maybe it's not hard. I don't know. I've never done. I've never broken that kind of rat race cycle because I always am chasing the dollar bill to pay the mortgage, to put food on the table, to on and on and on. Right.
1: Well, why do you think that you haven't?
0: That's a great question stability, fear um, enjoying having a roof, enjoying having food on the table, not having to worry about whatever I don't know I mean that's a great question that maybe well, let me the, me ask
1: you, well let me ask you another question what what is happiness for you
0: uh all kinds of things uh to be honest um I would say. One of the things that gives me the most joy is watching my children find joy. Uh, My children are adults uh, and becoming adults. And um, gosh, it's just super satisfying to watch them have fun and and, um, do what they enjoy. Every one of my kids is in an environment that they have chosen, if that makes sense. I mean they're all they all have to work and put a roof over their heads and I guess you're an example of that no they don't have to <laughs> but um but my kids give me great joy for sure and then time with my wife uh certainly vacation riding bikes skiing you know playing I love to play um love being outside uh, so that all gives me joy and makes me happy
1: Well I think the center of all the things of what you said is essentially connection connection to self connection to environment connection to others especially the people that you have you know deeper relationships with your children your wife so on and we as humans are fundamentally a social species we desire and crave and and you know, live for this wholesome connection. And when we think about the rat race, as you called it, or the so-called modern society, the the, the standard kind of lifestyle that many, many people live, we become quite disconnected um, because we're so routine that we stop exploring ourselves as evolving beings. You know, every single day, we have the opportunity to be influenced by the environment around us. Now, if we are in an environment that is never changing around people who think the same as us, around people who live the same as us, are we growing to our fullest capacity? Are we challenging our way of thinking? Are we allowing ourselves to expand in a way that feels organically resonant for us? And what feels good for me is different to what feels good for you you know it's very it is it's easy for me to say and talk about my experience because i am me but the truth is other people may feel very joyful in the the what we've just mentioned as a rat race or for in sure. in a kind of modern society style of life and living other people really don't yet they're really living it and that's all that they've known and you mentioned fear it is largely fear based because the unknown stops people from delving in. But for me, knowing the known is where I feel probably most uncomfortable, because I know what the potential is. And that's infinite. And that's something that's really, really exciting for me. I think When you talk to people about what they're passionate about or what happiness is for them, a lot of people tell me what it's not. In modern society, a lot of people from the States or from the UK or from Europe um, or Canada, a lot of people tell me not being stressed, not having to work, not having to do anything, which is very interesting because we can identify what we don't want which shows the way that we tend to be living our life and we're escaping something we tend to be in the lack mentality but we can empower ourselves into doing what we do want but to do that we have to explore more of ourselves and make space to do it and often with the pressures of society we don't have the room to be able to facilitate that
0: well said i I feel like i feel like you're well versed in this and in fact you are. You've given TED talks. You do motivational speak, uh, keynote speeches, um, and uh, and I love hearing hearing all of this because it's true. But um, at some point, you like got on a bike and began exploring. Like, what led you to the bike and to um, move away from the known?
1: Well, I was living in Vietnam at the time, uh, working as a tour guide, and I don't know if you've ever been to Vietnam. Before, okay, nope. Highly, Can- I've been to Canada. Beautiful, beautiful country and place that holds a very, yeah, it's very dear in my heart. The people are incredible there. Very resilient, very resourceful, hardworking, passionate, loving, open, connective, incredible. And one of the things I noticed when I was there was the amount of people selling everything and anything on the back of their bikes. And as an activist and passionate pioneer of all the things that I cared about, animal rights, human rights, environmental awareness, anything about equality, really, I found myself constantly having these challenging conversations, which pushed me away from people, you're having arguments, I didn't want to be having arguments, I wanted to uplift and inspire, but, you know, when you're talking about difficult things, you you naturally are sort of triggering and challenging people, and I started to look at kind of the root cause of all of these issues and reflected on myself and my my journey with happiness and realised that when we're unhappy, we have less mental room to think and act consciously. But when we are fulfilled, content, full of life, then all of a sudden we naturally step into this more mindful state of self where we can think about other people, we can be kinder, we can be more aware of how we are impacting the world around us. And it became a non-invasive way to uplift and empower. So thinking about the bikes, I looked at a map and decided, okay, I'm living in Vietnam. Wouldn't it be cool if I just didn't fly home and went on a bike instead? And if they're strapping on these sort of rubbishy old one speed bike, single speed bikes their whole everything, the whole day cycling around, selling everything, maybe I can just do that, stick my stuff on the back of my bike and and go home. And I, I looked at a map and drew a squiggly line and went, all right, then I'm gonna do it. And it was just kind of this idea. Before that, I knew nothing about bikes. Um, I hadn't had a bike since I was 10 years old. I really wasn't even very good at riding a bike, if I'm completely honest, but I liked the idea of sustainability. I liked the idea of having a chance to be very close to the general population, um, to be centred around this this concept of spreading happiness and moving life at a bit of a slower, yeah, more alternative pace that I'd never considered before. And yeah, I, I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know people liked biking that much. It turns out there's loads of us in the world. But at the time, I thought it was an idea I made up in my own egotistical self, I think. <laughs> I was like, oh, it could be the first one to do this. But really, it's really quite a popular thing. But yeah, it was just an idea. And I, and I think when I talk to people about that now, I, I try and help people feel empowered to harness their wild ideas. Because what is wild? I mean, try it. If you don't like it, you can change it. And and I think that's also really important for people to recognize Having a goal that you can work on can help you strive in a positive direction and give you purpose. But not being attached to that goal gives you freedom because then you can decide to change direction if that's the new thing that feels good for you. Tomorrow, I might feel like, you know, I'm done cycling. I don't think that's what's going to happen because I'm passionate about it. And the more I do it, the more I love it. But if that's what happens, that's okay. Equally, God, God forbid, if my bike got stolen, tomorrow I'd be like, I surrender okay like that's what's happened so this gives me a new opportunity to explore a different part of self and the way that we are narrating our story the way that we're experiencing life around us really contributes to our general level of happiness and the way that we respond to life the way that we present ourselves with opportunities to grow and So yes, that's how it started, looking around me and realizing so much inspiration from the little people, the people that are just right in front of your eyes that we often overlook. And uh, wow, did it change my life.
0: How long ago was that?
1: A little bit over four years ago now.
0: Four years ago. So you literally just loaded up a bike with your stuff in Vietnam and rode across Asia and Europe?
1: Well, so yes, I, I went to, I cycled to India and then COVID happened. So I got stuck in India oh. for some time, which I was having a great time, um, to be honest. And then I was planning to cross to Pakistan, China and go through Central Asia. Absolute dream. Um, unfortunately, because of the season and all of the COVID visas and stuff, I couldn't get through that part. So then I was looking at hitchhiking three boats to get across to Africa because I wasn't able to go through the Middle East as a woman alone. You're not it wasn't it's illegal to cycle in Saudi Arabia as a solo female. So I couldn't go the sort of Oman Saudi route, which honestly appealed to me less as well. Um, Instead, I was looking at the Africa route, but everything was quite uh, we, we didn't really know what was going on. I had some family that was struggling, which ultimately led me to taking a flight back to the UK. And um, then I traveled around the UK for some time uh, with, with all the COVID stuff rebalancing as well. And my plan was to sail across here to Mexico and then cycle down to Patagonia. Um, again, just because of COVID issues and things, I ended up flying to Mexico instead of sailing. And then I met my partner as soon as I arrived here. So I've been cycling around Mexico and I didn't get to Patagonia yet. And now I'm trying to navigate this whole having a relationship and also feeling, you know, I want to just carry on exploring by bicycle. So, yes, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going with it as it flows at the moment.
0: (laughs) Then. Definitely is a new dynamic yeah. adding somebody else's happiness and hopes and dreams and joys and their quote unquote know what they know and what they don't know yeah um how, how like how's that going
1: it's a process it's a process it's a beautiful process and at times a painful process, but I think what I've learned is. For years, I maybe was quite avoidant of relationships because I was so happy and free by myself. But really, it's a decision to be in love with someone. It's it's work. And and I feel much more ready at this point in my life um, to do that work. And, and we're deciding to do it together. I mean, he has a daughter, beautiful daughter, who's seven, and um, his business here in Puerto Morelos. So that really gives us a a place that we're kind of anchored, which is why for the last 10 months, I've been going and coming back and going and coming back. Um, And now I've very recently just come back to um, really work on the foundation of our relationship. But it sent me a little bit crazy. The first, first, like, When I first got back, because I was like, I want to be travelling. I'm, you know, I felt like I'd lost my sense of purpose, and and yeah, and and everything. So it's a it's an up and down process. And now I've come up with the most brilliant idea, which I absolutely love, and um, I'm very excited about um, (laughs) about following through with it. Which is, I'm going to be doing a few weeks here on, and then a few weeks off. So my idea is. I'm going to hitchhike with my bike as far as I can in no given direction and then see where I end up and then cycle around for like five or six days and then hitchhike and find my way back. So it keeps it really exciting. I have no idea where I'm going and that gives me the balance of being here and working on our life and understanding what that means, but also still having that exploration still being living part-time on my bike because yes it's in my blood like i'm not ready to to sacrifice it just just yet so i think it's a happy balance
0: does anyone ever refer to you as brave
1: yes yes yeah
0: that's that sounds very brave even just the hitchhiking sounds very brave
1: you know like i think You know, for some people, it may be brave. For me, it feels very natural. I I do feel that uh, maybe people call me crazy or naive. I've also heard that many times. But I feel that my energy is a real source of protection for me. I think that every single person in the world just wants to feel respected, listened to and loved. And when you meet someone, even if they're a psychopath, if you can help them feel respected, listened to and loved in a moment, then their intentions with you can shift and they can mirror the love that you have for them. And I really have an unconditional love for all beings. I can't explain it better than that. And I I feel like I'm a very sensitive person. And I care about everyone. And I think that when we look at actions of people and we label people as good or bad people I don't agree with that I think that there are people that have done or do bad things and there are people who have done and do good things but the reality is we are a product of so many different factors where we come from our nurturing experience our traumas our personal opportunities uh you know our different privileges genetic privilege even for example I feel very lucky that me to study something I pick things up very quickly you know how could I compare myself in a in a in a in a linear exam example why I don't like the schooling system to someone who's maybe severely dyslexic um you know it's it's not a point for point reference life is not a point for point reference we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to each other we should be trying to understand each other And that's really what my work is about. So seeing everyone and taking the value from every single person. So, yeah, I I I feel safe. I feel safe. Sometimes I have challenging experiences, but it's still an opportunity to be able to share love in another way. You know, I was hitchhiking here and I had a guy um, ask me for sex, and you know that's something that's happened to me many, many times. I mean, his expression soon changed when I represented myself with confidence and um, maybe helped him think about things from an alternative perspective. So again, how can we see these challenges in life as opportunities? You can go into the same office every day and feel emotionally drained and challenged in that way. For me, that's a lot scarier. I'd much rather be challenged by a random person and see it as an opportunity to give love. In a way that's going to expand us in a more conscious collective force.
0: Huh! Wow. Um, I know that uh, you spend a great deal of time meditating, yoga, um, even silent time. Mm-hmm. How does that play into your, I don't know, life work, life travels?
1: It's essential. <laughs> it's uh it's essential. I am a very mentally and physically active person um so i'm sure you've heard of the term yin and yang before you need the balance so the yin is the the um more feminine gentle restful uh energy And the yang is the more active, more naturally masculine. So for me, my personality is more yang. I'm very, very active in mind, in body, in spirit. Everything is ding, 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 ding. I'm full of ideas. Um, I'm acting on them all the time. It's exhausting. And I realized for my health and well-being, I have to create space for the yin. Now, again, your journey with wellness, um, anyone's journey with wellness has to start with self-awareness. When we're trying to deny, when our ego tries to deny what we are, then we can't he- work on our healing. When we try to pretend that we're not defensive about things and when we try to pretend that, you know, we don't act selfish in this situation or we're not reactive or we don't get angry and flip out at people, we can't actually heal that part of ourselves. So starting with self-awareness is really, really important. Meditation definitely, definitely helps with that. But for me, my life is so yang, it's so active. I'm engaging with so much. I'm taking in so much information. The amount of that yin energy that I need to balance my life with is just, even though I meditate every day and I do lots of different practices, like you mentioned, from yoga to um You know, journaling and um, all different kinds of other things as well. I still, it's not enough. Like, unless I was a monk sitting in a mountain, you know, meditating for the whole day every day, when you're living in an interactive world, you have to take responsibility for understanding your own balance. So, for me, having a day of silence really changed my life. I've been doing that for more than two years now. But if I'm too busy to facilitate the day of silence in the week, then I'll carry over and do two days of silence the next week. However, I feel the impact in me quite dramatically um, when I miss a day of silence. And when I look at my lifestyle when traveling by bicycle, I created a natural balance and flow because traveling by bike gives you a huge amount of time to be in a meditative state, to be processing and to be experiencing at the same time so i would say those things are are really important and yes starting with self-awareness and when you become really connected with with your natural balance when you understand what your balance is it can help you feel connected to your intuition and then you can really create and live a life that is designed for you because that is going to be completely different to anyone else um and that's when you you become in a flow state and everything becomes easy and you realize the abundance and you stop thinking about what you don't have and just realize everything is a pathway to connect with what is already there. We already have everything. We have all the knowledge. We have all of the resources. We have all of the loving relationships, the emotional connections. It's just what doors are you opening in your life? Or are you just walking on the same path which has all the doors shut? Or are you deciding to look for keys? That's it, really. And being on a bike, you find a lot of keys.
0: I'm sure you do. Explain a uh, day of silence. Like, how does that work? And how you how do you integrate it, that into like your life? I can kind of see it pretty easily traveling by bike if you're traveling alone. Mm. But um, you know, there's you you mentioned being um, in Mexico with your partner at times so like how does that work how do you integrate a day of silence into your life
1: um again it depends it really depends so for example yesterday monday is normally my day of silence so yesterday i had my day of silence here now what i've been I've actually been studying. So my plan was to go cycling and come back, like I just said, but something's halted me and has started me, uh, has stuck me here studying another part of happiness. So I'm here for a little bit before I go off. I'm going to explain that in a minute. So that, that is Tai Chi. So I started studying Tai Chi, doing intensive for a month with an incredible uh, Tai Chi master. And so yesterday, my day of silence, I actually went to Tai Chi in silence and he had an awareness of, of that so i was just practicing and uh, we were connecting energetically but everyone around me is aware of my silence and uh knows that you don't don't need to speak to me don't need to engage with me i also fast so i don't eat and i don't speak so i just drink water and that really allows everything to be in a state of peace in a state of rest in a state of rejuvenation when i wake up in the morning um I meditate um, and you go naturally into sit- into a sitting meditation. But really, it's a chance for me to, like I said, process all the things that maybe I haven't had enough, enough room for. Um, every day, if you think about every single colour, every single texture that you're experiencing, what are we doing with that information in our brains? Are we allowing that to settle or are we just adding more and more and more? And when we do digest that, maybe we can draw on that information in a more organized way. If you think about like a, a wardrobe or a closet, you know, have you got your things organized in a category and summer and winter clothing, maybe in color, color organization or whatever feels good for you. When you know where things are, you can get things out more easily and it's exactly the same. So my silence is about anything from the inside out and not processing things from the outside in. So I'm not looking to read books, I'm not looking on screens, I'm not watching TV or reading the newspaper. But if I feel to draw in a moment, I'll draw. If I feel to write, I will write. If I feel to dance, I will dance. If I feel to make music, I will make music. I don't sing because I can do that every other day. And the point is to not make that expression of sound. but yeah, it's a very intuitively led day. um some silent days, I lay down a lot of the day because actually what I need is more re- to be more restful on another on another silent day sometimes i I paint uh, a wall mural like this one that you can see right here. um so you know different different days are different feelings, but again it's just responding to my needs and giving myself an opportunity and a platform to externalize what needs to be released, but to allow to settle internally what needs to settle in its place. Does that answer your question?
0: Hmm. It really does. And it's very interesting. And, uh, you know, I would say that most of us don't think about uh, the world is such a place where stuff is always coming in, coming at us, whether it's reading, whether it's screens, whether it's television um, or conversations and meeting people and um, being with groups of friends or whatever. And just taking the time to let all of that settle and sort and like digest all of that information. I can see that being super valuable. Yeah. Super valuable. I
1: mean, it, it it really 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 changed my life and it came to me so someone I met someone in Thailand actually a yogi in Thailand and he suggested it to me um, I think recognizing and sensing the the intensity of my own energy and really respected his suggestion but said oh, I don't have I don't have time for that in my life right now like I'm traveling by bike across the world when do you want me to fit in a day of silence. Um,
0: you said that
1: yeah well I didn't say that quite such an abrupt way because I was really really grateful but I was like it's just not possible in my mind I was like this is just not a possibility but I really loved the idea and and it was there and about a year later um when I was uh back in the UK because of COVID I ended up setting up again a, a kind of intuitive project I was living in a um, in a traveler's community, in an underprivileged community, some people were there choosing to live that way. Other people were homeless and were living that way, um, living in vans, caravans, tents, or a combination. Um, a lot of people suffering with quite extreme degrees of, of, of drug addiction, um, sexual abuse, domestic violence, combinations of all. And... Um, I was holding a sober space, uh, funding and and cooking food for the community, uh, holding a women's space and uh, inviting people to come and have personal one-to-one or group support um, from the inside out, because these are the kinds of areas that do not receive help and that receive a lot of judgment and hate from the wider community without real understanding of how Again, these pockets of society are are happening. And also the magic and inspiration that's within them. Some of the most inspiring people I've ever met have come from that community. So yeah, really beautiful experience, but a very, very intense one. To give you an idea of of like a day, I came out of my caravan, I was living in a caravan and opened the door and you see one person going at someone with an axe, the other person going at someone with, Uh, a bar and someone else tap dancing on a truck behind it and like that was that was just it was you were so desensitized to it because it was so normal for where where we were and I had that was when I was like I need I'm doing so much again giving energy giving energy I need to create this balance for myself and that was when the silence came in I was like okay this is the only way. And even then, even though I built a fence that I put outside with a sign, I sent out a message. Everyone knew I was silent on Mondays. There were only, I think it was two or three weeks out of eight months that I didn't have someone knock on my door, ask me for something, even though that was my silent day. And the yes, it was an intense energy place to be, but the silence was necessary. And that's how... Sometimes when we're in these extreme moments of our life, that is the catalyst for change and it's a change that can stick, but we have to apply it and we have to be present with it and be grateful for it and take the time to do that. So if you think about as well with uh, like all different religious practices and spiritual practices, why is it that historically they've always had a day of rest? We need it. We need it. We We are not designed to be functioning, functioning, functioning on full capacity more than that all the time. And with the intense stimulation of devices now, we are never off. We're never off. And it's so important to regulate ourselves. And this is why we are reacting to each other, why we're competing with each other, because everyone's just in this mode that never has a pause. And then when you do pause, you collapse and you burn out and you're numbing rather than nurturing we're not in rest we're in recuperation and they're very different things so silence is about a commitment to myself and and once I did that my whole life changed
0: wow I can see how it could and would I mean especially in an environment like that where people are going at each other with an axe or a bar or dancing a ballet on the hood of a truck like that's a very um, what's the word I'm looking for? very uh, stimulant, stimulating <laughs> environment in a variety of ways.
1: Yes, but also, like I said, in those environments, like you still have the opportunity to see the magic and let me tell you some of I would rather, I loved living there. I loved living there. It challenged me in so many ways, but I would much rather live there with all of those amazing people, real, real people that live in a competitive standard society, for me, that, that brings me far more suffering. And people would find me crazy mm. for that. But let me tell you, the truth and the rawness and the, the creativity and the inspiration that you receive from real people when you see people having the opportunity to explore themselves, because a lot of the time they have no other option. They have no, They don't have the privileges of having the comfort of a TV and whatever. Like they need to pick up an instrument or they need to start dancing and they find these things that give them these portals of expression. And yes, a lot of people have had really hard lives, but when they express themselves, what magic comes from that when we really listen? Yeah, I just think people are so incredible. And what, from my experience, the more people tend to have, in terms of finance and material things, the less connected they are with joy and bliss. And the, the less people have financially and materially, the more connection they have with themselves, community, nature, because that's all you can do is, is be more present. So again, I can't generalize everyone, but as a, as a pattern across all different societies, that's definitely my experience. So that's why living on a bike yeah, is beautiful got- because you have what you have and you enjoy what you have.
0: No doubt. I'd I'd like to talk a little bit more about the kind of the details of living on a bike. Sure. I saw one of your posts about um, feeling safe. I feel like somebody asked you, like, don't you? Aren't you afraid s- sleeping? Finding a place to sleep and you listed out like a whole kind of series of things that you do to find a place to sleep. Um, How have you found safety and comfort on a bike traveling alone around the world?
1: I think again, being led by feeling, you know, in different countries, you have different risks being aware, talking to people um, and and just grounding into that is really the most found the the most basic foundation. You know, um, culturally, you have different things that you're going to be exposed to when you change from country to country. So, for example, a lot of people say to me when I was cycling India and Bangladesh, like, "Oh, weren't you scared of of that?" Or, you know, "Oh, the rapes there are really high." But the truth is, there's a there's a a very large cultural difference so when a lot of people go travel in india or in not many people go to bangladesh but a lot of people travel in india when people go there they feel a lot of women feel uncomfortable because they have men staring at them and in mine or your cultures that's seen as very rude so if a man was staring at me in chicago or in canada or in or in the uk um i'd feel like they were maybe a bit, you know, perving on me or creeping on me a little bit or having some kind of sexual fantasy. And that's their intention. Again, that could be a projection because of my trauma as a woman and the things I've experienced in my life. However, that's kind of the signal of what that maybe could represent in our cultures. Whereas in India, when people are just want to look at something, they just stare It's actually quite normal. So it's not just men, it's Mm. also women will do that. So I think a lot of people mistake fascination for sexual obsession and although there is also a sexual interest because it's quite a sexually repressed area of the world where just traditionally people aren't um so within their like sexual culture just isn't so expressive like it is in the western world there is that fascination but there's also this sort of timidity to people like people are shy they don't feel like they would approach you and yeah like i said i I feel like the attention was more more about like wow you're a woman on the bike in the middle of nowhere like that's far more fascinating than necessarily like they were ever going to harm me and and people would say to me guest is god that's what they think in india and they want to protect you so Mm. what i would say is my the intensity of the experience was more about having too much attention rather than feeling unsafe um Whereas, for example, here in Mexico, there's a very big beer culture and there's a very big drinking culture and there's also a very big sexual culture. So when you say no to a man, I would say that it can be like a bit of a challenge and they can be quite interested in you. Um, equally, I think Mexicans are like some of the friendliest people on earth that have protect everyone like bring, traveling by bike just shows you the best of people and when you feel something's not good, listen to that and ask for help. And it's just so simple. Like, if I don't feel safe to wild camp where no one's seen me, I just don't do it. I'll find somewhere that I can be that no one that no one knows, or I'll go and ask someone for help. If you go to someone's house and you say, I'm looking for a safe place to camp nine times out of 10, they're going to say you can go in my garden. If you have everything with you, different thing if you don't have everything, because then you're kind of imposing on someone. If you're looking for a space or you have schools or churches or temples or all of these neutral spaces, like especially religious sites, really um, ev- everyone wants to help. And again, they, the, your value becomes more than money. You can pay for a hotel, but the, then you have walls around you. And again, that's that's kind of what we do in society, right? Again, if you look at the way we travel, if you're traveling by car, again, you've just put yourself in a box. You've detached from, from the world around you. But when you're on a bike, everything's open and people feel you and you feel them and that is where your intuition can guide you. And of course, sometimes you make decisions and you're like, I should have been more switched on there. But it's it's a lesson. That's the same as life. Sometimes you walk down a dark street and you're like running to get to the end of it. In London, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have gone down there. Something could have happened. Same thing, you know, like life is a constant set of lessons. And when you tackle it with readiness, then, you know, you can move through the fear and actually learn rather than run away from the lesson itself.
0: It talking to you it sounds like your your experiences your travels have all been like awesome and full of sunshine and smiles and beautiful people and great food um have there been challenges of course like, <laughs> like tell me about some bad days
1: okay so um well I, i'll give you i'll give you some a very like contrast i'll give you two very contrasting so i'll give you one was in bangladesh was probably the most intense the most one of the most intense experiences i've i've ever had and that again it was like a harassment situation so i i saw i actually had a host another 20 kilometers on but i was rushing to get there before dark like really going fast and Uh, I had these two kids cycle with me for 15 kilometers. It was amazing. I really needed to go to the toilet. And I saw this group of four or five women standing at the side of the road, which is quite unusual for Bangladesh because all the women are inside because it's a Muslim country. So women are in uh, more traditional roles and the men are outside. So to see four or five women at the side of the road just wasn't so common. So I decided to stop and ask them to go to the toilet And uh, they were so excited, and one of them spoke some broken English. So, um, anyway, I decided okay, I'm not going to carry on to the other place and I'm going to stay with them. Fast forward, this night ended up just like a net, it was just never ending. And I, I was trying to find somewhere to prepare for my TED talk. Um, that i was having in india but bangladesh is not the place for it because you're constantly surrounded (laughs) with people even when i'm cycling people will just be next to me talking to me the whole time so there was no space to do any of this work so i said to her because she spoke some english i said i do really need to do some work um but i'm happy to stay like because they invited me to stay straight away she said okay they invited me to go to the hospital because their cousin had just had a baby, had just had twins, a baby. So I said, "Okay, we we'll go to the hospital." They took me around the whole hospital, kind of showing me off as the the white girl that they had with them. And obviously, the the hospital was just shocking. Anyway, you had you know four or five people sharing a bed, people laying all over the floor, and this girl the cousin she was 15 years old and she just had twins um i can't actually remember how old her partner was but he was much much older much older than 15 uh maybe in his late 20s or maybe in 30s and um yes she was very very sick we went to go and see the babies in uh icu and in this intensive care unit they said they wouldn't let the family in only me and I said, well, why are you going to let me in? I'm I'm not even the family. So I said, well, I'm not going to go in unless you let the family in. So they let me in with the family, with one of the members of the family. And I swear, I've never seen a baby. So so it was like a fetus. It was really a fetus. There were two twins. One was stable. The other one wasn't. And you could see the heart beating out of this baby's chest. I've never experienced something like that in in my life. So this, this was just the beginning of the night. So then we leave the hospital. They took me from place to place to place. And I was falling asleep. You can imagine I was exhausted. I'd cycled like a hundred kilometers. I was so, so tired. It was now midnight. I needed to do some work. They're taking me everywhere. And I kept asking them to take me home and they wouldn't take me back. When we eventually got back, um, I just had people still now where am I before we'd left I t- I'd already taken about a thousand photos people still just swarming me to take photos of me swarming me the whole time now it was this one one bedroom flat that was maybe six of us sleeping there so I was sharing a bed with two of them and I was getting changed trying to go to bed and people were just coming in the room taking photos of me and I got like quite aggressive and was like I need to go to sleep like I need you to leave me alone like I'm not doing more photos now and then even once I'd laid down to go to sleep men were coming in the room and taking photos of me and that was the only time that I really felt like such a boundary was crossed in someone's house because normally in someone's house it's like that is your filter and even if people people can be a bit too excited and want your attention that can be tiring but that was the only time that i ever felt like i can't escape this like this is where i am now and tomorrow i have to leave and that is where we are that's the only night so that but also one of my most significant memories and valuable memories as well and yes so that was quite, that was one of my most intense experience. And then this year I I had a miscarriage whilst I was, um, yeah, I, I, I had a miscarriage this year and that was also a traumatizing experience. And I was by myself and having to process and go through this hugely disconnected from, like I had so much support from everyone from all over the world but I didn't have that loving support there with me and so you know those are just two examples of everything isn't sunshine and roses but again that's life and those things are going to teach you value they're going to teach you to be grateful they're going to teach you how to find strength within yourself you know life is not about denying difficult moments it's about realizing you have everything you need to tackle them and to ask for help in the areas in which you need support and when we know how to nurture and care for our relationships in a wholesome non codependent way but actually in an empowering way um, then we can become even stronger together Um, and, and individually, because really, I'm you, you are me, there's no I, there's no you. So your pain is my pain, your joy is my joy. But when we try and deny that, and we're just fighting for ourselves, that's when we become disconnected. and, And that's when actually everything becomes a struggle. But when we rely on someone else to fix everything for us, that's when we're codependent. And that's when we have no self esteem and feel insecure. So striking this balance of realizing that we have so much power to give love to another to give support to give security but we have that exact same strength to give that to ourselves. and those moments those are the moments the really difficult ones that's when you realize that the power is in you so yes gosh
0: so many great lessons that my mind is just spinning with like So many people should hear this. Like, this is such great. um, uh, It's not even advice. It's just like, we should live like this and empower each other. And it's not, it's you and it's me. It's not I. And if we could all live like that, like, I just, like, I want to thank you for doing what you do around the world and trying to bring joy and happiness to our lives and help us see things
1: thank you. differently. Thank you. Thank, thank you for seeing me and connecting with, with my mission and and giving a, a platform for it. I really appreciate it. Really, really appreciate it. And, and if I could say to, to you and to anyone else, if if I have put a smile on your face or inspired a little bit of happiness within you, you are already making, <laughs> yes, you're smiling right now. You are already making People smile in your life. You're already spreading that joy to other people. But when we decide to do it consciously, when we decide to go out and say, you stranger, human I've just seen in the street, I'm going to make you smile. I'm going to make your day. The power that is behind that with that intention, when you do it, to see someone, to make someone feel respected, listened to and loved. It's just life-changing because not only for them but for you you realize the power in you you realize that you can give that to someone and and your place and worth just flies f- through the roof and you know for me as a child i suffered many years with uh, depression i self-harmed i i hated myself i didn't want to be here and that's when my journey with happiness really began you know when realizing what unhappiness was and never wanting anyone else to feel that and when you realize how easily you can touch someone's life with a moment with just letting them know that they're important in that moment if I had had that when I was younger it would have changed a lot and it did change a lot because I met someone and other people that 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 did start to do that and when I felt seen and I felt valued and I realized it, it, it helped me to know my worth. And that's what I try and do for someone. You can make eye contact with any person for a half a second and let them know that they're important to you. So just go out tomorrow and actively smile at every single person you see and feel the difference in your day.
0: Will do. Like, that's an easy one. <laughs> and then
1: message me and let me know how you, uh, how you get on.
0: I for sure will. I love it. Um, I'm actually starting at the dentist tomorrow so I will smile at the uh, the dentist
1: perfect perfect and ask them ask them what is happiness for you by thinking about happiness you invite it into your present moment and and then that creates your reality you know what you what you think and what you put your energy into is what you're experiencing in life if you see judgment in another it's because you have judgment in you if you see joy in another it's because you have joy in you so actively think about happiness, actively talk to other people about happiness, and you will see it appear in your life more and more.
0: I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to live by these words, I hope. I hope.
1: Uh, well, you've got a very joyful disposition. You've got a very joyful disposition. It's a pleasure to speak with you as well.
0: Oh, well, thank you. You're very kind. Uh, well, listen, Um, we've been chatting for nearly an hour, and I love it, and I feel like, uh respect people want respect listened to and loved yes and if we can remember that on a daily basis as well i think we're a step ahead of where we were yesterday
1: yeah and just and and taking ourselves out of our own experience and realize that everyone is caught up in their story and if we have the clarity to see someone in their difficult moment in their reactive time in their trigger in their trauma if you can see that in someone then apply the extra compassion and create the balance with your love and your understanding and your empathy we can do that it's a practice and the more you do it the more you realize that nothing's personal nothing's about you (laughs) and um you can you can take control of of sharing and harnessing something magical in every moment
0: Beautiful. Yeah. Well listen, you've done a TED talk and now I think you've done a Dave talk.
1: Ah well what you know what I, I never thought this dream would ever come true. I've always wanted to do a Dave talk and I'm very, very
0: grateful. <laughs> I'm sure you have. That is one for the resume. Sure that is one for the resume.
1: <laughs> Thank you for having me, Dave. Really appreciate
0: it. Absolutely my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed meeting Hannah. And I feel like no matter who you are or how awesome your life is, there's always room for more happiness. And happiness is such a wonderful gift that is so easy to share. And the bicycle is a great way to spread the joy. Look for Hannah on Instagram and Facebook at Hannah Happiness. And you can watch her TED Talk. I'll put a link in the show notes or just Google TED Talk Hannah Happiness and it'll pop up. Speaking of happiness, I love talking bikes and it makes me happy that you tune in to listen. If you enjoy these conversations, I'd welcome you to rate and review on your favorite pod service. And please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. And if you really dig it and want to support the show, please consider throwing a few bucks our way at buymeacoffee.com. There's a link in the show notes. Or if it's easier for you, just shoot of Venmo to David-Mabel. When you do support the show, I'd love to send you a Bike Talk with Dave sticker. I'd like to thank Chain & Spoke Coffee for supporting the show. The delicious beans are available now at chainandspoke.com. And I look forward to the opening of the retail spot with Coffee, Bikes, and the new Bike Talk with Dave studio. It's in Des Moines, and we'll be opening hopefully the last week or two of March. I can tell you it's painted beautifully and the floors are gorgeous. You'll have to stop in and check it out. And I want to thank also bikeiowa.com where so many events are listed on the calendar from competitive rides to fun rides, from gravel rides to bar to bar rides, all kinds of great rides. Check out the calendar at bikeiowa.com. And if you're putting on an event, get it on there. All you have to do is create an account, log in, and you can add and edit your event for free. One of those events is the Driftless 100 on April 29th in Elkader, Iowa. I'll be joining my friends at the Iowa Gravel Gang and hopefully many of you for a beautiful gravel ride through the driftless hills of northeast Iowa. Plan to spend the weekend and bring your fly rod. You can register today at driftlessgravel.com or look for a link on bikeiowa.com. We're also looking forward, kind of, to the 15th edition of Serum this weekend. Or maybe not. No, we are. Uh, Maybe not. Yeah, we are. Uh, It's so hard. Uh, It's 100K of what looks like it could be peanut butter gravel through the endless rolling hills of south-central Iowa. I will say that regardless of how hard the gravel is, The community is awesome, and we always look forward to that. Now, a month later, we'll be heading south to tackle the hills and rattlesnakes of West Texas at the Rattlesnake Gravel Grind, 100K, 100 miles, or 30 miles, starting in the town of Sweetwater, Texas. And speaking of that, tomorrow we'll be dropping a bonus episode with David King and Jimi Hendrix, no lie, that's his name directors of this second year event so tune in and then join us in march we hope you have a great week and hope you join me in the coming weeks for more great cycling stories rides and incredible people doing incredible things spreading joy on the bicycle